Lalo THR here. First and foremost, I want to say congratulations to Hacksaw Jim Duggan for defeating prostate cancer for the second time. You freaking legend. Congrats. I've got a host of tea to spill, including WWE releasing Jeff Hardy. I'm going to delve into that story in just a moment, but for now, I want to wish Jeff Hardy well and hope he overcomes any struggles that he is currently facing. What is this history-making announcement Rey Mysterio has been going off about on Twitter? Plus, did WWE just release Bray Wyatt merch for the holidays? Are you kidding me? I've got your spicy AEW Rampage and Dynamite reviews and so much more right here on the Highlight World. What's going on everybody? Lalo THR here. Happy holidays. I hope everybody is doing fantastic. I got a stacked show for you guys today where I'm going to be reviewing AEW Rampage from last Friday as well as AEW Dynamite that popped off last night. But first and foremost in this opening here I would like to say rest in peace and send my condolences to the fans and the family members most especially of Blackjack Lanza who passed away at age 86. Jim Ross would tweet the news and apparently Jack Lanza was the lead agent for the WWE during the legendary Attitude Era which has long been hailed like pretty much the greatest era in professional wrestling and especially for WWE in particular. Blackjack Lanza and his tag partner Blackjack Mulligan are multi-time NWA tag champs and legendary tag team competitors back in the day. They are also WWE Hall of Famers if I'm not mistaken and they are a bit before my time but nonetheless I respect the veterans who pave the way and blaze trails on the way to doing it as did Blackjack Lanza. So R.I.P. Uh, speaking of tag team legends, guys, Jeff Hardy has been released by the WWE. Now, this comes after a recent house show event in which a visibly sluggish Jeff Hardy was unable to finish a six-man tag team matchup. Um, I believe it was him and uh, <clears throat> Drew McIntyre taking on the bloodline. Um, it's been reported that WWE offered Jeff Hardy help and rehabilitation, but he refused, ultimately leading to his release from the company. Now, this is the second time uh, this happens, guys. Uh, several years ago, back when Jeff Hardy was at the tender age of 25, um, he also refused help from the company and was thus released at that point in time as well. 
uh, he was facing a, a drug addiction problem. You know what I mean? Um, Painkillers as well as methamphetamines. Now, that is not confirmed to be what he is currently facing right now. It has not been mentioned what kind of issues he's going through. All that's been said, and I have seen the footage of Jeff Hardy exiting the ring during that six-man matchup in Texas um, and leaving into the crowd after making the hot tag to Drew McIntyre, who, of course, like a pro, finished the match off. Um, I forget who was the third partner. I know it was Drew McIntyre, Jeff Hardy. I want to say, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know why. I want to say Kofi Kingston, but I doubt it was Kofi Kingston in there. I'm not, I forgot. But the point is, I seen the footage. Jeff Hardy looked very bad. Not quite as bad as he looked when he faced Sting at that infamous matchup for tna wrestling at some tna pay-per-view back in the day where jeff hardy was wrestling the match like smashed like he was stoned out of his mind on something um could not work clearly sting looked super pissed off um which was i, I gotta say man i gotta say I, I know he's going through a lot right now but that was very unprofessional of jeff hardy at that time now in this circumstance here i have I can't really offer any opinion because I don't know the situation 100%. I don't know what's going on. They're they're keeping it very private. Now, Jeff Hardy's wife, as well as his brother Matt, have chimed in on Twitter saying that Jeff is doing just fine. And for the fans not to worry, everything is fine. He's at home. Um, and they're, they're just, you know, they're just saying everything is fine over and over and over again. So... It remains to be seen what's going on and what comes of this. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's none of my business, but I'm not going to lie. I'm very curious as to what the issue is with Jeff Hardy now. I sincerely hope that he didn't, like, I guess, relapse and go back to, to drugs, you know, or whatever, the painkillers, uh, meth, or any kind of drugs. You know, it's... It's hard because wrestlers, you know what I mean? Especially wrestlers like Jeff Hardy who have put their body through... I mean, Jesus Christ, man. Go on YouTube and look at highlights of Jeff Hardy's career and all the crazy shit he's done. You expect a man that has put his body through that kind of stuff ain't gonna be taking painkillers like crazy. He probably takes painkillers like, Ad, like, like Skittles at this point. The same way I take Advil and ibuprofen, <laughs> be taking them like Skittles, you know. And once they wear off and they don't do much for you anymore, you always need to seek something higher that's gonna actually help you. And as is the case with a lot of wrestlers, you know, especially ones like Jeff Hardy who do that crazy shit. I think about guys like Darby Allen, you know, Darby Allen, what he does to his body. Oh my God. And maybe not quite to the level of what Jeff Hardy has done thus far. But, I mean, really, I, I hope Darby Allen looks at Jeff Hardy as a good example. Uh, you know what I mean? Of, of how to to not be. Like, you got to slow it down, man. You know what I mean? And, and that's what I was alluding to in the last episode. Like, I want to see Darby Allen have some longevity um, and a lot of mileage. But the way he works, <laughs> he ain't going to have a long shelf life in this business. Nonetheless, guys, as far as Jeff Hardy goes, um, oh, of course, the nerds on social media are now speculating where he's going to go, if he's going to be all elite and reunite with Matt Hardy. We don't need to talk about none of that right now. The most important thing is for Jeff Hardy to get the help that he needs, which I hope he does. And I hope that 
you know, I don't think his brother would lie. I don't think his wife would lie. But they're chiming in and saying everything is fine with with Jeff. They're being very private. So perhaps, you know what? This could all just be blown out of proportion. And it could just be a situation of Jeff Hardy not being happy in WWE and just wanting out. I mean, it literally could be just that. And we're all chalking it up to perhaps uh, drugs or depression or something else. It could just be a case of him wanting out. And this is his way out. Um, only time will tell. But I definitely wish Jeff Hardy and his family as well as all his fans. I, I personally have never been a big fan of Jeff Hardy. I'll just say. I've never been a big fan of Jeff Hardy. But, you know, I respect the guy and what he does. Xavier Woods went live yesterday for Up, Up, Down, Down, the first live stream in months. It had been reported the last few weeks now that uh, Up, Up, Down, Down staff were in somewhat of a stalemate with WWE having not produced any new content for the channel, citing that Xavier Woods is on the bad end of a deal, not being paid for his contributions to Up, Up, Down, Down, nor for his G4 TV hosting duties, which is extremely petty. Um, but alas, I guess the ordeal has been reconciled as Xavier Woods went live with the popular YouTube channel Up Up Down Down early yesterday afternoon from the G4 TV studios. Now I'm disappointed because I myself, like I, I mentioned before, I'm <laughs> my broke ass. I, I have Sling Blue. Um... $35 a month. I mean, you can't you can't complain at that price point, but I don't I do not get G4 uh TV as of yet. I do not get the G4 TV network. So I have not been able to see any G4 TV programming. I didn't get to see their big relaunch and all that good stuff. Um I seen video clips of it. Like I seen uh it was funny uh, a video clip surfaced of Xavier Woods reacting live on the air to all the releases. Like the Black Wednesday part two, all the releases like when Keith Lee was released and, you know, Taya Valkyrie and everybody, you know, he actually reacted live like he his eyes were bulging out of his skull looking at his phone and then he walked off set. And of course, like Adam Pereira or whatever his name is and all the other people there, they were like, what? What's up? What's up? Uh, Woods, what's going on? Or Austin, whatever his real name is, Austin, I believe. So then he came back. And then he said, my job is on fire right now, <laughs> literally. And they said, oh, you want to talk about it? And he said, I probably shouldn't. So that was a that was a really interesting little clip there. And I wonder if any other things like that happen on G4 where he's working, doing his hosting duties, but perhaps, uh, you know, reacts to news and, and different things going on in the wrestling business. I mean, the wrestling business is... <laughs> There's so much buzz right now. You know, it might as well be like TMZ Sports right now. You know, there's so much going on in the wrestling business. Good and bad. I mean, hell, uh, one of the biggest stories going on right now is whether Andrade and Charlotte Flair are still together. <laughs> that is sad when, you know, all the news going on right now and people are, are just more concerned about <laughs> whether Andrade El Idolo and Charlotte Flair are still together. Uh, of course, the news a couple weeks back indicated that they had broken up because Andrade stopped following Charlotte on social media. Now, Charlotte is still following Andrade on Instagram. 
but she stopped following him on twitter so based off of that people made the assumptions that they broke up now it's being reported that uh by wrestling inc that they have not broken up that they are still very much so together and in fact andrade recently tweeted um fake news <laughs> you know what i'm saying a la donald trump right fake news and uh, he put the hashtag mommy uh, so I don't know. I really don't care, man. I mean, Andrade and, and Charlotte Flair are both extremely talented. Um, it doesn't really matter to me who they date, but, um, I will say, um, as far as Andrade and Ric Flair, that that's, that'll be an interesting dynamic. If it, if it is true, um, that Andrade and Charlotte break up, I wonder if Ric Flair and Andrade will still have like... I don't know because they have they've had a lot of like I've seen them on social media. I've seen like Andrade giving Ric Flair a suplex into a swimming pool in Mexico and like they seem to have this camaraderie with each other, this respect for each other. And I mean obviously I'm sure just as wrestlers Ric Flair will respect any good wrestler, right? But you know, then you throw in the dynamic of him actually being engaged to his daughter. You know what I'm saying? That's Ric Flair's daughter, arguably the greatest of all time, um, whether you <laughs> whether you care for his dark past or not. Um, but yeah, so that's the only thing I would wonder about. You know what I mean? I don't I don't care about Andrade and Charlotte being a, a, a tandem. But what I'm what what I would care about is whether Ric Flair and Andrade would still have like a uh like a relationship uh you know like if they would still be cool basically if they'd still be cool with each other there was obviously long-standing rumors for the longest time that rick flair would join aew and manage andrade become his mouthpiece of course those plans fell through after <laughs> dark side of the ring man they they caught bodies that night i mean tommy dreamer really buried himself on that show so yeah uh it remains to be seen what happens next all right guys so i'm gonna go ahead and jump right into the rampage review that popped off last friday uh sammy guevara opened the show defending the tnt strap to tony niece now sammy guevara retains in what was a very good matchup and a great showing for tony uh tony niece has a fantastic physique a great look overall really and he hit a perfect 450 splash as smooth as i ever seen it done i really just had a <laughs> i had to like put an asterisk next to that in my notes that 450 splash by tony niece was a thing of beauty but in the end the spanish god sammy guevara would retain the strap with the gth for the pinfall victory now after watching dynamite last night uh, hindsight's 2020. Now we're gonna see Sammy Guevara defend the TNT strap to Cody. Um, and you know what, man? At this point, I I'm all for Cody re regaining the TNT strap. Uh, Sammy's title run. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's been bad, but it hasn't been as eventful as Miro. I think Miro, man, he really they they kind of they kind of dropped the ball with Miro again, bro. I'm going to just say it. Like, his, not only did his title reign kind of end a little prematurely, but then, you know, he loses a contendership matchup. Um, you know, and, and now he's, like, floundering now, as I thought he would. You know, what are they doing with Miro now? Now he's cutting promos saying he's going to replace his god and this and that. It's, it's just... Not good, man. I, I, I'm not happy about that. But nonetheless, uh, Sammy Guevara versus Cody, 
we'll, we'll, we'll delve into that a little bit in the Dynamite review. Christian Cage, along with Jurassic Express, cut a backstage promo. Christian says he vows to ensure the Jurassic Express become the next AEW Tag Team Chaps. Okay. Um, I, I guess Christian Cage has an investment with <laughs> the Jurassic Express now, a la Albio Leo with Dante Mari. I don't know. Um, is this going to lead to a heel turn from Christian Cage? That's what, I, I mean, what's the end game here for Christian, like, being the mouthpiece for Jurassic Express? I mean, I know they've had affiliation, obviously, when Christian uh, teamed with them. Um, and I don't know, but it's, it's just weird to see him cutting promos with Jurassic Express on behalf of the tag team division. Um, I mean, that's interesting, I guess. Jade Cargill squashes Thunder Rosa's pupil, Janai Kai. And now it's a real shame we didn't get to see any offense from Janai Kai. Because I do know this chick. I've seen her on Instagram and YouTube videos. She is a very talented martial artist. Like, legitimately. Legit. She She's like a female version of OG Steve Blackman. <laughs> if anybody remembers that name. That's basically Janai Kai in a nutshell. She's the, the woman equivalent to Steve Blackman. Um, and I cannot wait to see her career flourish in due time because she's she's got a future, man. Janai Kai, don't sleep on this lady. She's a very talented young woman. Um, and it's a shame we didn't get to see her uh, exhibit any offense. You know, she, she did the job and made Jade look presentable. Now, in the post-match, Jade put the whooping on Kai until Thunder Rosa did a run-in for the save. Um, she was present during the match on commentary. This was to build toward their semifinal matchup for the TBS Women's Championship Eliminator. Uh, Pentagon and Pac take on FTR. What do you want me to say? FTR can't have a bad match. And with Pentagon and Pac involved, um, you get another banger of a main event. Of course, we've seen Lucha Bros and FTR a few times now. But with Pac filling in for Phoenix, it helped to freshen up the dynamic a wee bit. As Pac rocking an eye patch out there, continuing to sell Malachi Black's mist. You can tell the eye patch took him out of his comfort zone a wee bit. He seemed to struggle in certain spots, particularly when he did a judo throw. He nearly dropped Dax on his head, to be honest with you. Um, but Pac is a pro. What can I say? Pac is a pro and a hell of an athlete and was able to ensure a safe landing um, for Dax. And in the end... The grand finale of the matchup, Cash Wheeler would take out Pentagon from the match, executing a tornado DDT on the outside. Although Penta was never fully in this matchup anyway, to be quite honest. This was the Pac and FTR show all the way. Um, Pac would regain control of the match, but a wild Malachi Black appeared, spitting his nasty black mist into the good eye of Pac as FTR stole one out from under them. In the post-match, Black would gouge the misted eye of Pac, digging his fingers into his eye, and when it was all said and done, with the camera zoomed in on Black's hand, you can see blood on his fingers to close the show. So, this made me think that Pac is finna turn heel and align with Malachi Black and become part of the House of Black stable. Of course, there's been long-standing rumors now and innuendo that Malachi Black is going to form a big stable in AEW. Because um, we don't have enough stables, guys. <laughs> Just so you know, we need more stables in AEW. We don't have enough. So, 
No, I mean, listen, this is a stable I could get behind, though. This is a stable that actually makes sense, you know, because he's been talking about the House of Black since his debut. And typically, it's been in reference to the audience, right? Members of House of Black stand up and the audience stands up. But this is a faction that makes sense to me. If he can get some guys to join that can be just as menacing as him, it would be a sick little faction. It, it would be a faction that Dark Order should have been. You feel me? Like a real legit menacing kind of creepy faction with that style, that supernatural dynamic to it, I guess, you know? Um, and I think Pac would fit right in with Malachi Black. I really think, you know what? It's a shame that AEW did not sign Buddy Matthews. Buddy Matthews is super talented and I'm dead ass surprised AEW did not sign him. They signed Bobby Fish. <laughs> They signed, um, who else? Bobby Fish and, uh, what's his name, man? Real talented cat, too, but how do you sign guys like Bobby Fish, but you pass on Buddy Matthews, man? That, I don't get. And now NJPW signed Buddy Matthews to a contract, so there's no chance now, but I think he would have fit right in in this House of Black stable. You know, Pac, Buddy Matthews, and Malachi Black, and then perhaps Cody. I, I did... <laughs> <laughs> a while back, I did a fantasy booker episode where I booked how I would write Bray Wyatt's uh, debut into AEW. Um, and I I made um, Malachi Black form a group with Cody Rhodes. Um, and yeah, I don't, well, I don't remember all the details. I kind of <laughs> abandoned that whole thing right away. But yeah... Um, I could totally see a, a, a good faction with Pac and Malachi Black as a line. Of course, that's not confirmed. That's just speculation on my part. But I like this idea that every time Malachi Black spits his black mist into the eyes of different competitors, they start to go dark. They start to like become, I guess, enveloped in darkness and start showing a bad side to them. Like, look at Cody. You know, Cody, I mean, ever since his run or his feud, rather, with Malachi Black and being sprayed in the eyes, he's kind of, you know, I mean, he's one of the, he's, no, not one of, he is the most interesting story going on right now, in my fair opinion, uh, in AEW right now, whether he's going to turn heel or not, it's being teased on a weekly basis, I'm loving every second of it, um, but I really, I like that idea that Malachi Black spits his black mist into wrestlers and they turn heel afterwards or shortly after. They start developing um, like a chip on their shoulder. They start, you know, becoming different. I think of like Tobey Maguire in, in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> he went emo though. Um, I don't want to see nobody going emo on AEW. But I'm just saying that's a that's a cool idea there. Overall, fast-paced episode of Rampage that featured two very solid matches. Super fun opener between Sammy and Tony, the latter of which had a nice coming out party. And I'll say it again, hit one of the most beautiful 450 splashes I've ever seen. Just smooth AF. While the main event was an even funner affair with some intriguing story developments there between Pac and Malachi Black as I went over. Jade Cargill squashing Janai Kai was the bathroom break segment. Although I will admit I wanted to see Janai Kai get some offense in because I know what she can do. One of the few like super indie talents that I've watched before. 
I'm still rooting for Nyla Rose to win the whole tournament and be crowned the first ever TBS Women's Champion in the end. This episode of Rampage was fun as hell and flew by quicker than OG Clark Kent. Now, on the Wednesday Night Dynamite side of things, it popped off last night live from Long Island, New York, the home of one MJF. As his music hits, but out comes the ultimate troll in CM Punk, who actually went full heel last night, absolutely obliterating the city of Long Island and their hockey team. I mean, the Islanders got it from all angles last night with Punk ripping them a new asshole and then Platinum Max Caster later on in his rap dissing them. Uh, Punk actually referred to MJF as an insult, which popped me pretty hard as he revealed a new AEW Four Pillars t-shirt in which MJF was notably replaced by Britt Baker. Punk would also rag on the crowd in Long Island saying the Chicago crowds are way louder and much more cohesive with their chants and fanfare overall. Now the most notable thing Punk would say in this promo was how he would be scouting the world championship matchup between Brian Danielson and Adam Page next week at Winter is Coming saying he wants next, referring to the AEW title. But so does MJF. So in essence, Punk versus MJF, whenever it goes down, will clearly determine the next in line for the AEW title. Like, theoretically. Now, Punk ends the promo with the line, If that's the guy you back, then you're all chicken shit. You know, I know Punk, he's been away for almost 10 years. So he's having a babyface run right now, soaking in all the fanfare. But I gotta tell you, man, I cannot wait for CM Punk to turn heel, man, in the not-too-distant future. I hope in the not-too-distant future. Y'all think Brian Danielson is a good heel? Wait till CM Punk turns heel. Oh my goodness. You got a little taste of it. You got a little taste of it last night as he just tore Long Island, New York, a new asshole. I mean... The most beloved guy in the whole business seemingly becomes the most hated overnight, you know, um, in one particular part of town that is Long Island. Um, and you can tell CM Punk was having the time of his life in this segment. I mean, he said it in the promo. He said, you know, I got to admit, I'm having way too much fun right now. And he was. You can see it on his face. You know, the level of freedom that guys like him get in AEW that they would never get in WWE. It's it's a, a beautiful thing to witness. You know, you're, you're seeing guys literally having the best time of their lives on live TV, man. Guys like Punk and, and Cody and Brian Danielson. The work they're doing right now, you see it on their faces that they're just having the best time right now. Um, and that's really the highlight of this promo for me. Believe it or not, it's not even the trolling that he did. I mean, fuck, the Islanders. I feel bad for any fans of that team. Holy shit. But uh, out of all the things that came out of this promo, and clearly hinting that he wants next for the AEW Championship and, and whatnot, uh, the highlight of this whole whole thing for me was just seeing how happy Punk looks, man. You know, being heel for the night... You know he's not going to get booed anywhere else. You know what I mean? He was healed just for that for last night only. And he freaking loved every second of it. 
Now you want to talk about loving every second of fan adoration. MJF had a hero's welcome. I never thought I'd see the day. MJF as a babyface. <laughs> as the AEW Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal popped off. Uh, participants did include Lee Moriarty, Will Hobbs, Matt Hardy, Jay Lethal, Ricky Starks, Leo Rush, Dante Martin, Lee Johnson, Wardlow, Frankie Kazarian, the hometown hero, evidently, MJF, and Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel, I don't even remember seeing him, not once, <laughs> in the match. He got lost in the shuffle like hell. But MJF, his entrance was obnoxious, of course. He had like this back he had this video hype package of him like walking around in his old football field in in college and you know wearing the varsity jacket and you know the announcer guy in the video who did a fantastic job by the way i don't know who that was they never mentioned who the voice was doing that that video package he did a phenomenal job but um he was Really just gassing up MJF, um, you know, calling, saying he was a ladies man in college and, and all that. And he was, he's a hero. And he, if you think he's a villain, you're not from Long Island and you're definitely mid and all this stuff. And MJF comes out when he hits the stage, he drops to his knees a la CM Punk and he like recreates the moment. That CM Punk debuted in Chicago on the very second episode of Rampage. You love to see it. The emotion displayed by MJF on stage as he was clearly mocking CM Punk. Trying to recreate that moment that Punk <laughs> debuted in Chicago. But here MJF was in front of the Long Island crowd. Looking like he's in tears on stage. And he even did CM Punk's clap, like his vintage wrist, uh, like his hand clasping and wrist movement, like that he does when he warms up for his matches. Um, I think he yelled it's clobbering time too. I didn't hear, but I'm pretty sure he yelled something and then kissed his diamond ring, walking towards the ring. All the competitors, of course, they had, um, you know, the jobber entrance, if you will. They, it wasn't shown on TV, the dark entrances. Um, and yeah, the match just it went wild. Um, everybody throwing hands, running around, flying everywhere. But the biggest story of this match uh, was the double cross of Dante Martin uh, apparently swerving Team Taz. And I guess reuniting now with Albio Leo, I suppose. I'm not sure. The whole thing is really confusing to me in all honesty as far as the storyline between Dante, Leo, and Team Taz. And all the events that have transpired thus far between the two. I gotta say the confrontation between Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs was an epic moment of the match. Probably my favorite moment actually. If I'm being honest with you. I think that was my favorite moment of the whole match. I would not mind seeing Wardlow and Powerhouse Hobbs have a feud some point down the line. Um, when both guys are... Uh, singles and having a nice little push that would be a nice feud um definitely in the future these guys are gonna be breakout stars man wardlow looks like he's ready now i gotta tell you wardlow looks absolutely primed and ready for a breakout push you know he, he's squashing all these jobbers every week ain't cutting it I'm ready to see Wardlow turn on MJF and have a big babyface run, which 
it would perhaps seem inevitable as it would be MJF to eliminate his own henchman, Wardlow, from the matchup along with Lee Johnson and Leo Rush. In the end, Dante Martin and MJF are the final two competitors standing, which means they are now set to go one-on-one -on -one for the Dynamite Diamond Ring, which will go down at AEW Winter is Coming. Another notable thing to happen in the match, I almost forgot, was Jay Lethal being eliminated rather quickly and like nothing by Matt Hardy. Um, I think Matt Hardy like got brass knuckles and then hit Jay Lethal in the face and threw him out the ring. Um, I don't know if Jay Lethal uh, pissed somebody off, but <laughs> I know there was some controversy. Nah, man, I don't know. I, I wouldn't... I'm just saying, I would have expected Jay Lethal to have much more prominence in this particular matchup, um, outlasting somebody like Matt Seidel, at least, um, who I don't even remember seeing, outlasting Kazarian, at the very least. Um, but I suppose this is going to lead to a feud now between Matt Hardy and Jay Lethal. <laughs> Yay! Matt Hardy in another long feud. That's what we all want to see, right? Oh, boy. Um, now, in the post-match, Ricky Starks would assault Dante Martin. MJF up the ramp. He teases running in for the save. Uh, but when he gets in the ring, he would shove Ricky Starks, but then just start assaulting <laughs> Dante Martin, which was kind of funny. Of course, CM Punk would run out for the save. MJF hightails it back up the ramp while Punk executes the GTS on Ricky Starks. Hey, give me CM Punk versus Ricky Starks next week. Um, I want to see what Ricky Starks can do against someone like CM Punk. Because Ricky Starks has long been super hyped by the IWC. So I want to see it. I don't see nothing particularly special in the guy. Uh, but if anybody could bring it out, it's CM Punk. <clears throat> what is this? Uh, this Dynamite Diamond Ring, I guess... Yeah, it's a fixture of AEW lore. Um, whenever somebody wins the diamond ring, they're, I guess, primed and ready for a big push. That's what seems like with MJF having won it twice now. Um, I don't think that the diamond ring is going to be won by MJF again. I really feel like this time it will be Dante Martin. Um, and, I, and, I, and the reason I think that is just because They've already used enough props for MJF. He's won it twice already. And they're really trying to get behind Dante Martin. Now, I know with it being a diamond ring kind of gimmick, it, it seems more appropriate for a bad guy to hold that, you know, a heel to have that. And, of course, utilize it, you know, as MJF has done. Um, that's how he beat Darby Allen, right? By nailing Darby Allen with the diamond ring and then rolling him up for the pinfall victory at full gear. Um, but I, I would place my bet on Dante Martin to take that diamond ring. And then, and only then, I think then that's when Leo Rush might turn on Dante um, and take the ring from him. Because he's Albio Leo, right? He's the money mark. So it would make sense. The money mark is high on trinkets like diamond rings and necklaces and the like so i don't know that just makes more sense to me but i gotta say before i move on here the whole storyline with leo and dante has been very confusing to me i i don't know maybe i'm just slow <laughs> maybe i'm just slow i'll I, i'll shamelessly admit it but i, I mean because again 
when Leo came in, he seemed to be a bad guy because that nobody likes a money mark gimmick. Nobody likes it. You know what I mean? I mean, Ted DiBiase got over with it. That's about it. You know, there, there's there's not going to be another Ted DiBiase, million dollar man type of thing. So I, I took Albio Leo as a heel when he came in and I thought he was meddling with Dante Martin, trying to get in his head and trying to use him for his own gain. And then Dante would turn on Leo to align with Team Taz, which was a swerve to me. And it seemed legitimate. And then now in this battle royal, Dante turns on Team Taz. So one begs the question, is he back with Leo Rush now? They were It was part of their plan, their scheme all along. I don't know. It, it's, it, it seems kind of stupid to me, <laughs> to be quite honest. I'm just going to say it. Whether I'm confused about it or not, the whole thing just seems kind of dumb, to be honest. But nonetheless, it is what it is. Moving on now, uh, Jurassic Express and the Varsity Blondes take on the Acclaimed and 2.0. Jurassic Express and the Varsity Blondes go over. I honestly didn't really care about this match too much. I thought it was, you know, a poor booking decision to go from a 12-man battle royal match to then an 8-man tag match. It's, it's way too many multi-man matches for me to invest any real thought into. Um, I, I will say that I seen a video clip somebody uploaded to Twitter in which you can very clearly hear a fan in the audience yelling at the top of his lungs homophobic slurs uh, targeted toward Anthony Bowens. Now, for those of you who may not know, Anthony Bowens is an openly gay wrestler, part of the LGBTQ community. So that's very unfortunate. You know, I I'm the part of the fan. Uh, <laughs> I'm the part of the fan yelling homophobic slurs towards Anthony Bowens. That's very, very unfortunate, man. Like, not classy at all. And I can assure you, if Tony Khan were to find out what fan that was, he'll be banned from all AEW live events. I can assure you that's exactly what Tony Khan would do. Um, of course, as of now, I don't know if <laughs> the fan who shouted those those uh, slurs will be found or if he's been found as of yet. Um, now, the notable part of Max Caster's rap during his entrance was he said, we're bigger in New York than New York. Now, a lot of people didn't catch on, but apparently this is supposed to be like a reference to WWE. So essentially, he was saying we're bigger in New York than WWE is. And that's what I've seen in the IWC, but I don't get it because, <laughs> see, again, here, here goes me not getting something, right? <laughs> nah, but listen, WWE, their headquarters are in Connecticut. But I know that they've made uh, their whole history really is built off of the New York City market. So, I mean, I guess I do get it, but I don't know. I just feel like I just feel like maybe we're jumping the gun on whether that was their intention or not. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I don't know if that's what they actually meant by that or not. What else could they mean, though? Right. We're <laughs> we're bigger in New York than New York. Um, overall, his rap wasn't really as good as it's been the past few weeks. I mean, Max Caster was on fire, yo, the last several weeks. This one was kind of a letdown. Um, it, I mean, CM Punk already laid the precedent for making fun of the Islanders hockey team. And that was one of the big punchlines as well here with Max Caster. Um, so it is what it is. 
Um, FTR cut a backstage promo with Tully Blanchard in tow. They essentially build to their AEW Tag Team Championship rematch against the Lucha Bros, set to take place on Rampage tomorrow night. Now, I said in the past, uh, during the build-up toward uh, Full Gear, that I wanted FTR to beat Lucha Bros so they can become AEW Tag Team Champs, which would mean that they won the Raw Tag Team Champs, the SmackDown Tag Team Champs, the A NXT Tag Team Championships, um, and then the AAA Lucha Libre Tag Team Championships, and then the AEW Tag Team Championships that would establish them as pretty much the greatest tag team of all time because no other tag team has ever achieved something like that can you name one i'll wait lalo underscore thr on the gram and the twitter <laughs> but it appears to me that i'm mistaken ftr have already won the aew tag team championship so in my opinion then it has to be that FTR is the greatest tag team of all time. It is already official. Now, as far as this match they're building toward against Lucha Bros, you know, Lucha Bros tag team championship reign has been kind of lackluster. Um, I guess Young Bucks really laid a big foundation. They set the bar really high because Young Bucks, they were really doing a lot of things with those tag titles and putting over a lot of teams in the process. But I mean, that's easier for a heel tag team to do as opposed to a white hot baby face tag team like Lucha Bros. You know, um, oh man, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's hard for me to care about this match. I'm at a point now where I kind of don't care about this matchup, man. We've seen FTR and Lucha Bros go at it already multiple times. Um, Incidentally, AEW, they're, they're supposed to be famous for not doing rematches, right? Well, we're seeing it. We're seeing it here. Um, of course, it's not to the the nauseating level of WWE where you'll see the same match over and over and over for months on end. But I, I get it. But I'm just saying, I, I don't know, man. Lucha Bros versus FTR for the tag straps tomorrow night is going down. I can't really tell you that I'm super excited for it, though. And why that is, I'm not quite sure. I'm not sure if it's because I've already seen FTR against Lucha Bros. Or if it's because Lucha Bros tag title run has been kind of mediocre. Maybe it's both. I expected more to happen uh, between Lucha Bros and Andrade. I really expected more to come from that. I thought like Andrade was going to somehow, some way... Uh, get into the heads of lucha bros you know and take them away from pack and they would become a trio that's what i really thought and was almost i was i was primed and ready to see that but it didn't happen then that storyline pretty much fell the wayside so i don't know man lucha bros they're they're like they're obviously they ooze with coolness you know i mean come on just look at the guys right they're the coolest they're one of the coolest act in all of professional wrestling just pentagon by himself then you have the athleticism of phoenix going out jumping off of freaking cages like a maniac um but there's just something missing with the lucha bros and i don't know what that is you know as far as their run as tag champs They've defeated FTR. Um, 
who else did they defeat? See, I'm having trouble even remembering. I know they defeated the Young Bucks for the titles. They defeated FTR. What they they defeat the claim, acclaimed, right? And who else? I, I don't know. There's something missing with the Lucha Bros, and they're so much better. Um, and it's not that they're not being booked right either. I don't know what else they can do with the Lucha Bros at this stage. <clears throat> the best friends take on the super click in another multi-man matchup. This time a six-man tag. This was a fun match though. This was a fun match. I ain't even gonna lie. The big story of this match. And the only thing you need to know really is that Trent's mom Sue made her epic return to AEW. The coolest soccer mom of all time hit the stage in her minivan. <laughs> Outsteps Trent Beretta. Who had long been MIA with injury. And I gotta say, Trent's return was not only treated like a big deal, but it genuinely felt like a big deal due to that awesome crowd reaction he received there in Long Island. As the Young Bucks had won the matchup with the Meltzer Driver tag team finisher, they then ganged up on their foes in the post match, which is when Trent Beretta came out and cleaned house and looked damn good doing it. I mean, he really got in incredible shape, man. I, he must have just been hitting the gym nonstop while he's been gone because he looks phenomenal right now. The segment was closed with Trent Beretta and his mom, Sue, <laughs> as they have their arms raised by the rest of the Chaos faction. And it is official. Via Twitter, it has been made official. Trent's mom, Sue, <laughs> is officially part of the Chaos faction. That is hilarious. Um, I gotta say, before I move on from this segment, Chuck Taylor... Chuck Taylor, Chucky e. T, he is so underrated, man. Like, he's very, very good in that ring, and he's got the look. There's no reason why this guy can't get a nice singles push someday. He's a phenomenal worker. I gotta just, I gotta just point that out before I, before I move on to the next segment here. Chuck Taylor is a great worker. Very, very good. Now, Ruby... <laughs> Ruby Soho's interview time is interrupted by Penelope Ford and the Bunny. Uh, Ruby would waste no time trying to trade barbs with them. Instead, she'd rather trade hands. And until a wild Nyla Rose appeared. <laughs> and I want you to have a gander at this. Nyla Rose, she is my... I'm rooting for her to win the whole tournament and become TBS <laughs> Women's Champ. But <laughs> check this out. Oh, Friday. Okay. Why don't we just do this right now? Oh, oh, surprise, bitch. <laughs> Nyla Rose <laughs> with that surprise, bitch. <laughs> oh, man. I'm dead ass. I want Nyla Rose to win the TBS title, bro. I, I don't care anymore. I, I just wanted to continue to smash on all these ladies. <laughs> Come on like that. Surprise, bitch! I want that to be like her new entrance, part of her entrance. That 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 soundbite you just heard of her saying surprise, bitch. I, I want that to be like said right before her music hits from now on. Nyla Rose for president. <clears throat> I'm going to say it right now. I'm, I'm a big fan of Nyla Rose now. <laughs> I don't care who knows it. Oh, man. 
Let's move on. Cody Rhodes interrupts Sammy Guevara's interview time to set up a TNT title match between the two, um, which is slated for the now stacked uh, Winter is Coming show, I believe, next Wednesday. Is it? I don't. No, I think this is incorrect, actually. I have this in my notes that Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara are going to uh, wrestle for the TNT strap at Winter is Coming. I don't think that's happening at Winter is Coming. I think that's going to be Rampage next Friday, I think, rather. I'm pretty sure. Um, because so far, from what I've researched, from what I've looked up, uh, Winter is Coming is just consisting of three matches thus far. Which is going to be, let's see, let me scroll all the way down to my, oh, I don't even have it in my notes. But I, I'm pretty sure, uh, from what I remember, the three matches will be Serena D, Hikaru Shida, MJF, and Dante Martin for the, for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. And of course, the main event, which will consist of Adam Page, cowboy shit, defending the strap to Brian Danielson. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely excited for that as well. Like I said, um, I really think that Cody, if he were to regain the TNT title off of Sammy Guevara, I would not be upset one bit. I'm telling you right now. And I'm pretty sure that... Well, actually, that would, that would be some major heat. I'm sure if Cody does take the strap off of Sammy, that would even further his... You know, aura of X-Pac heat, if you want to call it that. Kind of go-away heat that he has. It's like... But not really. Because, I mean, really, Cody Rhodes is getting reactions like OG Super Cena did. Back in 06, 07, 08. You know, when half the crowd was chanting for Cena and the other half was booing him. Although, I will say, in, in the case of Cody Rhodes, it, it is a lot more clearly uh, fans booing him. Um, and <laughs> wanting him to turn heel very clearly, and he keeps trolling us, he keeps teasing it. Obviously, when he interrupted Sammy here, he came out the babyface tunnel and then almost walked through the heel tunnel, but then said, Oh, oops, wait a minute, and then turned back as he teased, furthering teasing his, his heel turn, impending heel turn, which is gonna be absolutely epic when it does finally happen. I cannot wait. As well as the matchup between himself and Sammy. This was the very first matchup in AEW Dynamite history. For those who may not remember, when Dynamite first aired back in 2019, um, Cody Rhodes and Sammy Guevara had the very first match in the in the company's history, in the television program's history. So you know, just throwing that out there, I think they will put on a very good match. And perhaps if Sammy should retain the title, maybe, maybe, just maybe, um, this will be when Cody finally turns heel. So, incidentally, after Cody left, Men of the Year also chimed in from the stands in the audience claiming that Dan Lambert will be returning with them very soon while whoop-dee-doo... No, I actually like Dan Lambert. I do. But I think that we're at a point now where the men of the year, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, they don't really need Dan Lambert. 
you know i really think they should just be mixing it up in the tag division you know i look i just went off on a tangent about lucha bros and their run and how they're missing something you know what man put the tag straps on the men of the year why not put it on them put the tag team titles on ethan page and, and scorpio sky i'm gonna say it right now you know because that, that to me would help them out more than continuing their little affair with uh <laughs> affair <laughs> their association let's say with dan lambert and the america's top team goons you know but that's just me that's just me Riho takes on Jamie Hayter, and this is easily the best match Riho's ever had in her entire tenure with AEW thus far. And that just goes to show you how freaking good Jamie Hayter is. Jamie Hayter was ragdolling Riho <laughs> throughout the match, as she should. But in the end, the little engine that could, Riho, would overcome all the odds. Not only, you know, Jamie Hayter's big ass, but also the shenanigans by Rebel and Britt Baker at ringside as Riho nailed a nasty-looking crucifix bomb off the top rope, which Jamie Hayter sold like crazy. I thought Jamie Hayter was fucking dead, bro. I thought Jamie Hayter was dead after that crucifix powerbomb off the rope. Riho would then run at Hater with the running knee for good measure for the pinfall victory. Now, of course, in the post-match, Britt Baker would retaliate, applying the lockjaw on Riho after blindsiding her. Um, incidentally, before that transpired, Riho looked legitimately emotional after the match. Like, she had tears in her eyes. It's almost as if she knows that that was the best match she ever had. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it. Um, so... Britt Baker will defend the AEW women's title to Riho at a later date. I believe this one is slated for Battle of the Belts. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure it is, though. Uh, but nonetheless, Rio has no business um, being in a match with Britt Baker at this stage, let alone, you know, taking the title off of her. It ain't happening um, It's just going to be more of the same until Thunder Rosa is ready to unseat Britt Baker for that women's title. And this is all gonna, you know, we're, we're waiting on the TBS title tournament. That's what we're waiting for. And y'all already know who I'm rooting for. <laughs> Surprise, bitch. <laughs> In the TBS title tournament. <laughs> but uh, that tournament is gonna dictate <laughs> what happens next as far as Britt Baker and her women's championship. Um... So let's <laughs> let's go ahead and move on. The main event pops off as Brian Danielson continues his quest to run through all these dark order jabronis as he takes on Johnny Hungy. And I gotta admit, John Silver has actually really won me over ever since his matchup with Adam Cole a few weeks back. I ain't even gonna lie. You know, I ain't even gonna lie. He's a likable dude, too. He, he just has that good aura about him, you know. But while he did get in some office on offense on Brian in the end, of course, Brian would defeat John Silver via submission victory, utilizing a modified half Nelson. 
This was after Brian delivered a picture-perfect Minoru Suzuki-style pile driver in the middle of the ring. In the post-match, Brian gloats about demolishing all of the Dark Order jabronis. And he puts the whooping on Silver some more, this time with face kicks in the middle of the ring until one hangman, Adam Page, runs in for the save and starts putting hands on Brian. Now, this is something... This is something of a plot hole, I believe, because if I'm not mistaken, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they say last week they made it clear that if Brian or Paige touches each other before uh, winter is coming, they'd be suspended? No contact rule, right? I could have sworn somebody put that over. I don't know if the commentators or uh, Adam or Brian Danielson himself, somebody put that over. That they could not phys get physical with each other. And perhaps it was just for that night. I don't know. But either way, what I'm seeing here and then from what I heard on that episode, this doesn't make sense for them to be brawling like this. Uh, <clears throat> nonetheless, Adam Page said next week he's going to kick the cowboy shit out of Brian as the show comes to an end. I cannot wait for Winter is Coming. It's a stacked show, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. We might have uh, some <coughs> Windham Rotunda <coughs> surprises up our sleeves come Winter is Coming next Wednesday on TNT. Overall, a bit heavy on the multi-man matches for my liking, as I've said, but still a very fun show. For what it was, is seeing the 2.0 jabronis jumping Eddie Kingston and Ortiz backstage. I don't even know if I I don't even know if I talked about this actually. This was after the Super Best Friends or Chaos Faction, whatever they call themselves now. After that match against the Super Click, I, I don't think I mentioned this. Eddie Kingston and Ortiz were backstage, you know, like waiting on 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. Daniel Bar uh, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia then run in, well, run at them backstage and beat the brakes off of Eddie Kingston and Ortiz. Come on, man. You gotta be kidding me. I didn't believe that at all. That was not believable. These little fools are gonna, you know, put the whooping on an OG like Eddie Kingston and Ortiz. I don't care if it was a three on two either. I don't care. Not in New York, man. Their home state. You know, I feel like Eddie Kingston at the very least should have had a much better role last night. You know, especially considering the tremendous year he's had. That amazing article piece being written about him after that epic promo between himself and CM Punk ahead of full gear. I don't know. That was not good and I was not happy to see Eddie Kingston getting whooped by 2.0 backstage, you know? That that was that was worse than Jericho getting whooped by them, you know, a couple weeks back. Babyface MJF. I never thought I'd see it, but we all saw it last night and it was glorious. Not just the MJF shenanigans, but also the epic trolling by CM Punk. You got to love it. This was not a two thumbs up show though. I'm going to I'm I'm a hold back one thumb. <laughs> Let's put it like that. This was a one thumb up. This was not a this was a Orange Cassidy style thumb. That's what this show was. It was not a two thumbs up. It was barely a one thumb up. This was a Orange Cassidy cool guy thumb up for a show that was fun, albeit a little lackluster and perhaps filled with plot holes as well. When you seen that brawl ensue between Paige, 
um, <clears throat> between Paige and Brian at the at the main event, and they they're not supposed to touch each other. So that's a plot hole, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know, but nonetheless, this is a one thumb up show. It was it was fun. It was fun, no less. Rey Mysterio teases a quote unquote history changing announcement via Twitter. He would say, quote unquote, December 9th, 2021. Remember that date. I'll reveal some very exciting news that will change the history of Rey Mysterio. More details coming soon. Okay. Uh, Mysterio offered no further hints over what the news could possibly be. Uh, last year, it was reported that a Rey Mysterio animated series was being developed for Cartoon Network Latin America, which sucks to me because I'd like to watch that. Why is that a Latin America only? I want to see that here too. That better come out on the Spanish channel or something. Um, but no other details have been released since. It is also unlikely to be contract related as the former WCW, ECW, and Lucha Libre AAA star re-signed a multi-year deal with WWE in the summer of 2020. So the speculation that I've been seeing, at least on Twitter, is that he is officially the cover of WWE 2K22. He's the cover star for the game, which I don't see how that's groundbreaking news because... I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I could have sworn Rey Mysterio has graced the cover of of WWE video video games many a times. I mean, certainly he's been. I know I've seen him on the cover, like maybe even like along with other like you know back in the day in the SmackDown games they would have multiple wrestlers on the cover. It wasn't just one big cover star like they do nowadays. You know the WWE 2K stuff. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's been on the cover before. I mean, now, if he's never been a cover star before, that's surprising to me. You mean to tell me they had Sheamus on the cover of, of a WWE game, but they never had Rey Mysterio? Now, that just don't make no sense to me. But nonetheless, um, well, stay tuned, guys, because tomorrow he will make the announcement via social media. Um, and incidentally, he announced that he'll... He'll make the announcement at about 8 p.m., which is the same time that the Game Awards pop off tomorrow, I believe. So clearly, eh, I guess it, it might as well be anything but confirmed that it is. He is officially donning the cover of WWE 2K22, which I don't see how that's <laughs> that's groundbreaking, history-shattering news, you know. But, I mean, I'm happy for him. You know, they get paid good-ass money, man. WWE stars who grace the cover of the 2K games, they get paid very good money. Just ask CM Punk. <laughs> you know what I mean? They they get paid very good. Um, so, there you have it. MLW Azteca is set to premiere in the first week of January 2022. MLW Azteca, which is a playoff of the OG Lucha Underground promotion, held its first series of tapings as MLW recently filmed content in Mexico with the Crash Lucha Libre promotion. As is the case with most Major League Wrestling content, it will premiere first on YouTube on January 6th, then on BN Sports on January 8th. MLW Jefe Court Bauer had this to say via Sports Illustrated, quote-unquote, Wrestling in America is on fire, 
but what's missing is more representation from Mexico. Enter MLW Azteca and the masked world of authentic Mexican Lucha Libre. This is a precursor to an emerging world built around the Azteca Lucha brand. There will be a distinct identity that delivers an entirely different experience for the viewer. I can dig it, man. I mean, if it's anything like what Lucha Underground was. Lucha Underground, my goodness, man. You, 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 ever heard, you ever hear the saying, you don't know what you got until it's gone? <laughs> that perfectly sums up Lucha Underground to a T. I mean, I really, I, I watched Lucha Underground when it aired. I never saw the third season. I kind of fell away from it by that point. But man, I really didn't appreciate it like while it was airing live back then you know like i guess i took it for granted i thought it would be a fixture in pro wrestling for many many years to come but i was wrong and they're gone and now we have mlw here court bauer you know he's trying to kind of capitalize off of the the gaping hole left behind by the lucha underground brand that i know i'm not alone here i've seen it in the iwc so many people miss lucha underground and the first two seasons used to be on netflix for a good while um i don't i don't believe they're there anymore but man um if mlw azteca can i don't care listen i'll put it like this i'll put it like this if mlw azteca completely rips off lucha underground as far as the the style of writing and like they could recreate even like the storylines from there and i would not be mad dude i wouldn't bat an eye i would be happy as hell to see it recreated and i hope that's what they're doing only time will tell i hope this is a success either way because you know diversity in wrestling doesn't hurt and especially when you have this type of brand that is so cool man and so many people like and and I, i've said it before i'll say it again like like lucha libre they really kind of heavily influence and pave the way for the style of wrestling that we see today you know when you see guys like orange cassidy and leo rush and dante martin and all these guys and the stuff that they do today i'm telling you right now that was all influenced and mitigated by lucha libre style wrestling you know what i mean they they really they really set the tone with that style you know multiple high spots and and just really working you know they don't they don't do no rest holds <laughs> you know what i mean there ain't no rest holds in lucha libre you ain't gonna see a guy you know putting on a chin lock for the next three minutes uh-uh <laughs> there ain't none of that in lucha libre there ain't no rest holds you know what i mean it's just a bunch of acrobatics and athleticism and you know playing to the crowd and they they, they go to work they earn their paychecks. And that's the style you see today in wrestling. Um, so anyway, just, just going off on that little tangent there. WWE Hall of Famer Kevin Nash is set to make his GCW debut at GCW Most Notorious on January 14th in Detroit. And there is, anno there is an annoying ass dog barking outside of my little shack here. I don't know if you guys can hear it or not. That little dog, it wakes me up, dude. At odd hours, barking its ass off. I swear to God, one of these days, I'm going to go outside and murder that dog. 
<laughs> you're gonna hear it on the news one day uh some some maniac in riverside california kills a toy dog oh my god um big daddy cool kevin nash comes home and debuts for gcw game changer wrestling has announced that along with alex shally and rhino detroit native kevin nash will be heading back to detroit for the january 14th show most notorious it said that kevin nash rarely makes appearances for independent wrestling shows so that plays into how significant this show really is for gcw and overall the momentum that GCW is currently having. They're going to do the Indie Awards Independent Wrestling uh, Award uh, Hall of Fame, which is going to be very interesting um, at the World on GCW event. Um, I got to tell you, man, Game Changer Wrestling, they're making moves. You know, I, I guess ever since ROH shut down, you know, GCW is stepping up. They're stepping up to the plate and they're trying to fill in the void left by ROH. Alright, so Jade Cargill deletes her Twitter handle, citing that it's it's due to spending way too much time on the platform. She has kept her IG handle intact, saying that she actually makes money on Instagram as opposed to Twitter. So it was a no-brainer. Now, the only reason I'm talking about this here in the news section is because some fans and pundits alike on social media immediately jumped to conclusions with false reports and speculation that Jade Cargill is having a meltdown or a mental breakdown from fan criticism. Knock it off. Knock it off. Jade Cargill is doing just fine. She ain't having no meltdown. She ain't depressed. She's, she's, she don't care what any nerds on Twitter think about her in-ring work or lack of uh, skills in the ring. I myself have criticized her, and I'll be the first to tell you, uh, Jade Cargill doesn't give two shits what I think, <laughs> okay? And she doesn't give two shits what anybody on social media thinks. She's doing fine. Um, she deleted in uh, Twitter because she's trying to take a break from it. I get it. I deleted my Facebook profile, like in 2017 yo so it's been a, a few years now and it's the best thing i've ever done because facebook really back in the day i know it's kind of cringy to talk <laughs> to talk about facebook now but facebook is like not cool at all anymore it's like for old people now but facebook used to consume my life i'm not even gonna lie i i used to be like obsessed with facebook from the moment i woke up to the moment i went to bed yes i was one of those dorks who would check in like i i'd go eat i, I could go eat at mcdonald's and i would check in on my facebook profile you know where it tells you oh so and so has checked in to mcdonald's <laughs> and um yeah, I, I was like that. I was I was one of those guys. So yeah, I, I deleted Facebook nonetheless, as I said, and it's been the best decision ever. Um, I keep Instagram and Twitter myself just for this podcast that I'm doing, and I'm trying to you know spread the word on it, man. Try to take this hobby to the next level. Um, and so far, I'm happy with the you know with the accomplishments that I've had with it. I mean, uh, as per Spotify um showing my, some growth that i've had and whatnot you know little stuff like that it makes me happy and um, i just do this for fun this is fun to me and, and i always like talking about wrestling and speculation news and everything to do with the business um but yeah i, I commend jade cargill man you know um 
sometimes too much social media is bad. No, 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 no. Let me rephrase that. Not sometimes. <laughs> All the time. Too much social media is bad. You know, too much of anything. At the end of the day, too much of anything is bad. You know what I mean? So, yeah, man. Jade Cargill. She's doing just fine. Now, WWE releases new merchandise for the Fiend Bray Wyatt ahead of the holidays. <laughs> now, this comes off the heels of wild speculation of Mr. Wyndham Rotunda, formerly known as Bray Wyatt, debuting for AEW at Winter is Coming next week. Wyatt, now going by his real name, Wyndham Rotunda, has been a free agent ever since his 90-day non-compete clause with WWE expired on Friday, October 29th. He has been announced for an upcoming horror movie, but it remains to be seen if he will be working for AEW or Impact Wrestling by next spring. A recent edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter claimed that AEW definitely had plans to sign Wyatt to their promotion. It's not known why those plans fell through. Uh, during the AEW Full Gear media call, AEW President Tony Khan was asked if he had approached Bray Wyatt about possibly joining AEW. Bray Wyatt is joining AEW. <laughs> uh, again, again, you know... Tony Khan is not going to put pen to paper on cats like Bobby Fish and Lee Moriarty. Um, but he's going to pass on Bray Wyatt. That that don't make no sense. And that, and I'm not trying to knock Lee Moriarty and, and uh, Bobby Fish. I just told you last episode that Lee Moriarty is now officially the prospect that I'm personally the most excited about now. He has surpassed Dante Martin for me. Um, you know, the, the guy is, is excellent in that ring. Uh, but nonetheless, only time will tell, but to me, it's all but confirmed Bray Wyatt will be all elite in due time. Now it remains to be seen when and where he will appear. There's a lot of innuendo going around that next week, winter is coming, might as well be called Wyndham is coming. And you know... There's a lot of possibilities for also a Dan Hawson to appear at that show. Um, you know, I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that out there. I don't think fans would be disappointed if Dan Hawson <laughs> ended up coming out at Winter Is Coming. Um, but I would bet my money that the fiend Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, he'll be all elite in due time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when, I don't know where. I was going to bet on Winter is Coming, but I don't know, man. Um, <clears throat> whenever he's ready, he is working on a movie. So perhaps, you know, next Wednesday is a little too soon, which will make it all the more exciting if he does show up. Now, speaking of exciting, I got the full lineup for Rampage going down tomorrow night. The main event will feature AEW Tag Champs Lucha Bros defending against their arch nemesis FTR. Ruby Soho, Ty Conti, and Anna Jay take on... <laughs> Surprise, bitch! Nyla Rose, <laughs> The Bunny, and Penelope Ford. And I hope Nyla Rose demolishes all these... All of them tomorrow. Adam Cole takes on Wheeler Yuta. And... And the one, the only, what everyone on the planet has been waiting for for eons. 
Hook makes his in-ring debut taking on Fuego del Sol. And um, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on that because Hook is like, he's like a cult figure. He's like so over and I don't know why. Um, I think like everyone's just in love with the with the dude's hair. He's got a James Dean look about him. I don't know. He's over as hell. So it's going to be super interesting to finally see what the kid could do in the ring. If he's worth all this hype and all this adoration. But perhaps, I mean, even if he doesn't do so good in the ring, he'll still be loved and appreciated. Just because he is the son of Taz, who by all intents and purposes is one of the greatest voices of all time my personal favorite commentator right now in the biz and what he's doing with team taz like as the mouthpiece for them even though they haven't really been doing anything substantial lately he is just phenomenal at what he does so in, in essence if hook could be anything like taz the kid's got a bright future I want to thank you guys very much for joining me on the Highlight Reel. I will be back next week. You know the drill. Don't forget to wash your hands. Don't forget to wash your ass. Tip your waitresses. And please, for the love of God, tip your Lyft drivers. I'm out.